0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my sponsors and thank them. It's people like them who make this whole thing possible, so I really am grateful for their support. Um, If you want to go check them out, the first one is Jolene with Ranch Girl Gear. She has the cutest little western boutique. She has anything from... Shirts, jewelry, cute little mugs, dish towels, and you can find her at ranchgirlgear.com or look up ranchgirlgear on Instagram. And the next one is Jake Hershey. He does custom leather work and he does anything from spur straps, belts, wallets, um, and he does a really good job at that. His slogan is Handmade by One Man at a Time in Texas. And you can check out his work on Facebook or Instagram. And again, his name is Jake Hershey. Like I said, we're we're super grateful to have these guys as sponsors. And I do have a few more sponsorship spots still available. So if that is something you are interested in, please send me an email to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. And I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. But with that being said let's dive into today's episode. Today it's part two from my interview with Link Bundy and I hope you enjoy. So how would you def- how would you compare the two? Like how would you define cowboy, and then how would you define rancher?
1: Oh, I like say it's it's a totally different world, and being and I ain't been a rancher for very long compared to a lot of people, uh, and very long at all. Hell, I'm still a pup, but I'd a lot rather be a cowboy. <laughs> I would. It's it's way funner. You ain't got to. You ain't got to worry about how to make a dime off of her. Uh, you know what? There is a lot of good cowboys out there that, that that treat cows like they're their own. There is a lot of good cowboys out there that that take care of a piece of country. Like down there, we call them camp men. They, they live out on a camp you know, in a house. I mean, there's a house that most of them. I mean, there's some of them that ain't in a the house. They're still in a teepee every day, but, but most of them are in a house and they take care of a said piece of country and a said amount of cows for a ranch. And, uh, there's a lot of them that take care of them like they were their own and do a real good job. And, and they're, they're dang sure cowboys, uh, you know, they ride through them every day, look at them cows every day, and they might be on 30 sections, they might be on 100 sections, That you know, they, they might only see a quarter of them every day, it might take them a month to see them all, but they're there every day riding through them, packing salt to them, making sure they're on the water, fresh feed. Uh, them guys are my heroes, them, them, them guys that are, that are doing that for somebody else that, a lot of times might not really appreciate what they have, or maybe even know. Because uh, a lot of them big outfits, the owners are usually not present anyways. Uh, like the cow boss or the manager are there, you know, but but the people that really spend the money on the wages don't really see what they do. And uh, you pro-
0: like they probably don't even meet the owner ever, or
1: right you know i worked on a place probably for almost three years before i met the owner wow and uh the only reason why i did is is because the owner showed up and they had a they had a party at the headquarters and my house or my camp was 30 miles from headquarters through some rough old country. So I mean, if I wouldn't have showed up to the party, I probably never would have met him. I'd have worked there almost six years and left. Never even known the owner. Um, wow. Th- that owner was really good people. Uh, actually pretty, pretty dang good health horseback. Um, but I've met a lot of owners that ain't, they're just, they're just owners and, and not, not saying that's a bad thing, but, but a lot of times they don't know what they have out there. Uh, you know, then I worked for a guy that had been on a place for 30 years and just drew a cowboy wage for 30 years. Uh, was there till he, well, he could still do it when he left, but he got to being a little slower and figured he wasn't as much help as he should have been and, and left. But pulled a cowboy wage for 30 years there. Wow. New Every cow, ever inch of that country,
0: uh, a hell
1: of a hand. Never even, never even dreamed about owning his own cow. Didn't want to. As, as far as he was concerned, he owned six thousand of them. Yeah. You know, uh, and he did in in a way.
0: And what uh, was his name? His
1: name was Cisco Scott. Uh, really good cowboy in my mind. There's a lot of people that go different ways on him, uh, but handy. In any situation. Uh. Would rather work cows. Without a rope. But could dang sure use one. And. He didn't really need one. Them horses that he rode. Were. Exceptional. You.
0: Because of him. Right? Because like, of. Oh yeah. No, about he, people ride...
1: He started them. From day one. Rode them. That's cool. Rode them from day end. Uh. Yeah, he had horses in his string that he started when they was three years old and they were 20.
0: That's really cool.
1: But uh, I think I may have only rode two of the horses that he had rode. And were probably not the best ones that he rode. And uh, exceptional cows, cow horses. I mean, could get it done. And, And like saying... If he was paying attention and actually get out of their way, you probably wouldn't even interrupt on a lot of it. I've seen that guy do some amazing things on nasty cows in nasty pieces of country. Uh, but yeah pro- probably one of the best cowboys that I've ever been around in my life, or ever will. I I, I don't think, think they make them like that anymore. Um,
0: can you think of a particular story with?
1: With him, well, I, I I'll tell you one, uh, and, and, and at this time, you know, I, I don't know. He was in his fifties when I first met this guy. When I first cowboyed around him, and I'd been I'd been on this ranch, the ROs, for a while, a couple of years, and uh, we roped a lot of cattle, and uh, some needed it, some didn't. <laughs> they got it, but uh, and we had a real ropey crew at this time, uh, that could dang sure rope and we're good cowboys, you know, but I mean, we're, we're fifth, fast on the trigger. I mean, sometimes cow just looks sideways and they'd let her have it. <laughs> but like saying, you, you got to realize that this country is really rough and really brushing. And like I say, you don't have but two or three swings and you better have her caught her. She's probably gone. And, uh, we are leaving a dirt tank we call it. It was a wicked dirt tank. It was in the camp. We was on the wagon, and and it's kind of it's kind of open right there for a little ways for a, a, a big opening, which is I don't know a couple hundred yards there, you know. I mean, so it's like wide open to us at the time. And uh, on that ranch, I worked on that ranch almost six years and never loaded a cow in a horse trailer. Never did. Everything was done on horseback. Until you put them on a semi and they left, but you went all the way around and there was like four hundred sections on that ranch and you did you did everything horseback. And so when you, it depends on the spring or the fall, but it's it's kind of the same because in the spring you have cattle that got missed the fall before or or that were short ages that fall and so now they're ready to wean and and and, and be, had to market that spring, so it, it kind of it, it it ends up all the same, really, but and I can't I'm pretty sure it was a spring. It was the spring of the year, we was on the wagon and we was leaving that wiki up tank, and so we made us a big old drive, had us a hundred head of cows or whatever it was by the time we got done that day, and and we branded them. And a lot of times you brand out of hold up You just everybody holds them cows up as tight as you can and you, you Rope them out of a hold up and drag them to the fire and brand them and put them back. That's cool. And then when you're done branding, you get what, you, what, what we call the cut. And that's what we want to take Maverick cows, cold cows, cold bulls, yearlings, anything that, that doesn't need to stay there that we need to get to market or, you know, that's what we call a cut. So you, you'll get done branding and uh, then you'll pull your cut out. And so you got your crew holding the herd. And you got one, sometimes two guys, but mostly one guy, he holds the cut. He sets off there a couple hundred yards or a hundred, however far he can before (laughs) he gets into the thick trees and rocks. And then most of the time the wagon boss goes in there and pulls out what he wants out of the herd and shoves him to that guy. And that guy is in charge of holding the cut. And the rest of us are in charge of holding the herd and you don't want to mix them back up because then you got to start over. <laughs> well, anyways, we get, we have some rank stuff there and we get some cows thrown out there. And usually you start with what we call a padding. your co-cows, your bulls, gentler stuff. You throw them out there first. Hopefully you have some of those. Then you can <laughs> pull your maverick cows out or your yearlings or anything, you know, I mean, it goes from yearlings to two or three year old and then they're, but whatever. And so... Anyways, we got that done, got it all sorted, and we was leaving there, and usually for the first mile or so, you better be ready, because you're going to rope something, and so the whole, the whole crew's leaving out of there, and we're moving that cut, and I I can't remember exactly all what was in there, but there was some stingy stuff in there, and a lot of yearlings, and we was going out through there, and uh, the cow boss was in the point, right in the lead, and me and Cisco was on each side of him, right there in the lead, holding them cattle up from running, running too hard. And everybody was bringing them out. And uh, I think we'd we'd ended up roping two or three right there, right quick. They just couldn't take it no longer, and they left. And we we got them roped, thrown back in the herd. And like I say, Cisco he was on the other side of me. <clears throat> and uh, we was going down through there, and and one. Finally, split out his hole, and it was actually in between him and the guy behind him. And it split out there, and Cisco went to get around it, and he bent it right back around. And uh, like seeing, there's six or eight of us with a rope, built loop, built. You packed a loop all day long on this ranch. That's that's all you did was pack a loop. <laughs> and uh, and anyways. This gritter went between him and the guy behind him, which was actually the guy behind him's job to keep it in there. And it, it, anyways, it got loose, and Cisco, he he left with it, and he bent it all the way back around that herd, and come in right behind me, and never even picked up his rope. And I mean, this cow was trying; she was, and there was a time or two that his horse's shoulder was right in her neck, pushing her in a circle like she was hooking him. And that horse was just pushing him. And then she tried to stop and go behind him. And that horse just locked her up and run right into her shoulder again and almost knocked her down. And she spun and went to the herd. And he never even swung his rope, not one time. And he kind of looked at me and smiled. (laughs) And not saying that this guy couldn't do it with a rope because he could. And he did it a lot when he had to. But there was just enough space out there in Somewhat decent, smooth country with not a whole lot of brush, and he let his horse work, you know, and it, it, and uh, you, you know, it, it, it is. I couldn't do it in a hundred tries, you know, and he just did it like it was an everyday thing.
0: You're probably being humble,
1: and but that's no, really it, cool. it 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 was amazing. It, and and like saying to, to to be around that man for so long, for so many years, and, and, and in the different situations, and watch him do it again and again and again. You know, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't luck. He he's handy, and his horses was as handy as he was. You know, and he made them. But uh, neat neat guy to be around. You know, there. You know, I I've never cowboyed around him anywhere but there. But we could be in a bad situation. You could see Kettle running off and and you'd look at him and say, can we get him? And he'd say, well, if you want to go right over here, they're going to run right through that saddle. You know, we can cut right down through here and sideline them. They'd never even see us and we'd be there before they get there. And we can get as many as you want to rope, you know, and, and uh, he just knew it. He was—he was, he was a, what we call a lifer. He was a lifer there. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever go back. Uh, last I heard, he wasn't there. Um, he'd left. It, like say, he, th- he thought he wasn't getting it done. And he always said, when I was there, that because see, a lot of the times when there's a lifer on an outfit like that, they end up at headquarters. They end up being a maintenance man, or check water, or put out feed, or and stay or, there. or a horse wrangler. And to him, he wasn't going to go that way. He was going to go until he couldn't, and then he was going to leave because he, you know, he wasn't going to be the has been or the old man there, you know. And uh, but like see, the the last time I saw him, he was dang sure getting it done still. But as far as I know he's not there no more
0: hmm. do you think cowboys today are as good as back in the day?
1: no uh there's danger some good hands but they don't the only reason why I say no is because they don't have the chance. It's different um you can get a truck and it to almost everything you don't you, you don't have to you don't have to to put your mind to that. That level, uh, man, it, it blew my mind when I went to work on outfits that pulled a wagon like that. I mean, like saying, we, we'd we wear out three horses a day. Um, we would drive 120 head of horses and several hundred head of cows with us everywhere we moved, all the way around that ranch until we got done working the whole ranch. And then we put the cut up or the cows up, we'd ship them or whatever. Cow the cut and the horses they lived together in, in traps. The only fences you ever come to was a trap that would hold your horses in your cut while you were working a piece of country. Um, No trucks and trailers. We had a deuce and a half, what we call it, an army truck uh, that was the chuck wagon. That's the only motorized vehicle we had on the whole ranch during the wagon. I never had a ranch truck there. It was all horseback. I'd pack salt, pack feed if we did any, which was very seldom. Uh, Packed a lot of salt. You know, I'd pack four or five ton a year, you know, uh, eight blocks at a time. (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, It takes a while. Um, Uh, But it's totally different in that, like I say, you heck, when we'd wean, we'd throw 250 head of cows up on a fence in a rock pile and pull calves off of them. Weaner calves, little six-month-old babies to yearlings. Pull them off of there. Stick them in a pile. Drive them cows off over the hill sometimes is all. And then come back and drive them calves as far as we could go before they give out. Wow. And there might be 300 of them. And just do it.
0: 300 calves. At time that you just Fresh winged
1: Just five seconds ago. Just take off with them out through the country towards the next camp. And uh, you know that.
0: That's neat. That's a cool you, thing to picture.
1: You just don't so you, you, you don't do that anymore, so there's not that caliber of cowboy anymore, and it's it's not the cowboy's fault, it's not the kid's fault, they've never been exposed to that, and if when, once you're exposed to that for so many years, it, it just height, heightens your level of, of how handy you can get, or how handy, you know, if you never get put in that position, how do you learn, or how, why would you even do it if you don't, you know what I mean, so that, That way of life is leaving, so there's not those kind of cowboys as Cisco, or and I could name a bunch of them. Not only him, but uh, that I've been around that their way is is just leaving, just because we don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, you know, and, and there's places that are rough enough that you have to do it, so you do do it. But on them places that aren't set up that way you'd actually be losing money doing it that way. It's too hard, too slow. You know, I mean, if you can load them in a truck, load them in a truck. You know what I mean? But like we'd march them cattle all over that place for three months in a row, you know, and and day one you might have roped her and fouled her, tied her foot to her head and put her in a herd and, and kept her like that for two or three days so she's gentle enough and then by the time you got done with the wagon... Hell, she's a pet. But you've been <laughs> driving her for 90 days. You know, I mean, you mess with her every, well, not every day, but you probably rode through her every day because you had to go gather the horses sometimes twice a day. You know, and they were in with the horses. Uh,
0: Do you think that the outfits like that will stick around for a while?
1: Um, As long as they possibly can. Uh, the ROs is is still somewhat like that. I know it's changed a lot since I left. I left in 2010. Um, they use a helicopter some. Now, quite a bit, I heard, which which ends a lot of that, you know, and, and they pushed a lot of roads down there where you could get truck and trailers and stuff too, which is handy in, in, in certain times, but, man, that that country's so rough. Uh, most of them places that, You get cattle in that need hauled out. Uh, A pickup could only haul out four or five because it's so steep and rocky and nasty. I don't care unless you pay for it. You're not (laughs) going to get more than that out at once, you know. Uh, But you got the right cowboys. You could drive out 50 of them in a day. And it would take you all day to haul 50 out five at a dime. And how much fuel would you burn and how much stuff would you break and bend? And, you know, so there is outfits like that, that, that will stay that way for quite a little while until it's just not feasible. And I think once they kind of quit, it might all be over, you know, I mean, it, it might just be all raising cows and feed yard. I, I don't know.
0: I hope it doesn't get to that point.
1: I really hope, you know, I. I do like I run my place way more modern than I did when I ranched on the R.O.S. Um, just because I can, and uh, but I'll never forget working there and the things I learned. You know, I mean, it was as close to the eighteen hundreds that I think a guy can get, and yeah, it, I learned I learned more about a cow there. From getting my butt whipped by a cow for days on end, and <laughs> then I will anywhere. But <clears throat> you wear out three horses a day for every day for six years. You learn some things. I hope yeah. you know. It, you better it, if you're paying yeah. attention. Yeah, it, it, there's just more opportunity on places like that uh, on 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 making a, a cowboy or a hand or however you want to label him, then than most places can can allow anymore. You know, it's just stuff you don't see. It's sad, you know. It, there's not a better way of life. I mean, I spent... I remember I was talking to my wife uh, when I was working in wagons, and I spent more nights in a teepee and a bedroll than I did in my house for lots of years, you know. Uh, and you know what? Didn't really mind it. You know, I mean, sometimes you'd go... 14, 20 days without a shower and other people might mind it, but I mean, it wasn't nothing. It was was just living and and living good, riding great horses, working good pieces of country, you know, having good help around you, which makes a ton of difference. Uh, was
0: that the best part about the lifestyle, like seeing the country, being around good people?
1: It, it was. I mean, when when you had a good crew, there there ain't nothing funner. I mean, and there might be 10 words said from 4 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe. And a whole lot of cows worked. You just, you didn't have to say nothing. They knew their job. You knew they knew it. And you knew how they were going to do it. So you could fill your hole next to them uh but you go but you go the other way and you get a bunch of dough heads and (laughs) and there ain't nothing worse it's like a bad (laughs) dog you you can't get rid of it and it dang sure don't work i mean it's just horrible and 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 then you get to thinking well i got 90 more days of this and 400 sections together and six thousand cows and there's three guys maybe that's worth the dang to ride with and the rest of them are in the way, you know, or they're, they're worse than two or three guys gone. But, uh, but no, there ain't nothing better working around a good crew. I mean, stuff clicks, people are happy, it, it's fun. It, it, you can't explain it really. You just gotta live it. Uh, yeah. To me, you know it. Yeah, it, there ain't nothing like it.
0: And did Brandy understand that lifestyle too like was it well she
1: had to she's still here (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean tough woman i've had her in some bad places i mean nothing better than a teepee sometimes and she's lived pretty rough for a long time and had kids doing it and uh she's tough and and she you know, sometimes I wonder, well, maybe she didn't really realize what it meant to me, but she she had to have, or She would have left a long time ago. <laughs> uh, she ain't easy to live with when it's good. Um, but yeah, uh, tough. Dirty tough. Put up with a lot of stuff. And, and the camp wife has got to take care of camp when you're gone. Like saying, I mean she might not see me for 30 days there's still six seven hundred head of cows at camp and and a lot of times there's 15 head of horses sitting there and a bunch of dogs don't take dogs on the wagon you know and and uh and so i mean it it ain't you know they they work every day uh and take care of them kids and shoot she'd put out salt where she could and, made sure, you know, I mean, did did what she could, and like seeing, on on some of them places, I never had a ranch truck, it was a horseback deal, and, uh, she did what she could, and used her own vehicle a lot, heck, when you gotta go 40 miles of dirt road, rough-ass dirt road, and then several, several miles on the pavement just to get groceries with three kids, toting around by yourself, it's gotta be tough, you know, I, you know, every, everybody kind of glorifies the cowboy. And, but man, you ought to look at a camp wife one time and ask them some stories. Uh, they live a tough life. They really do. Um, a lot of life alone, <laughs> other than with their kids, you know. But uh, no, <clears throat> no outside friends or much or anything because a lot of places, like... Francis Creek, you didn't, you had to drive three miles just to get cell phone service, and that was awful spotty. Um,
0: <laughs> she it, is tough.
1: Yeah, she's tough. Uh, the, the The closest neighbor was probably 15 miles. Uh, another good ranching family, dang good people. Spent a lot of time there. She'd go there a lot, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it if there's a cowboy out there on a rough piece of country and he's married, he's got, got a tough woman there. there. That's a whole nother whole another story and and, and and set of people really. That them camp wives, They're, they're something else. They they kind of go unspoken and unnoticed a lot of times, but they're they're what holds it together. I tell you that. And allowed me to do it, you know. She she could have said. Come with me or stay here alone. You several times, you know, and I don't know what I'd have done. I can't. <laughs> I, I better not say that on on record. Uh, but and you know, I wouldn't have blamed her if I was living somebody else's dream in them conditions. I don't think I'd have stuck, you know, because it wasn't her wasn't her dream yeah. to be a camp wife. You know, it just it was always my dream. Uh, to be there, <clears throat> and she stayed. And I think a wife a that family.
0: understands it like definitely makes a big
1: difference. But I, I wouldn't want to begin to. You would have to ask a camp wife their perspective because I, I don't think I can comprehend it. I really don't. Um, like saying they, they always live in somebody else's dream in the worst conditions. Houses are always, yeah. You know, like we had solar. That was our only power. And like in the winter, we had two or three snowy days. You didn't wash laundry for a while. You just couldn't do it, you know. And we didn't have no Jenny, no generator, nothing to hook up to it. Uh, You you just got by. Uh, Had a lot of candles, a lot of lanterns in the house lots of times. uh, You know, read a lot. I. And that was just, and like saying, I was gone half the year on the wagon, so I don't know what it was like <laughs> when she was home. You know, I, at, there was one place that our refrigerator went down, had a propane refrigerator and it. It went down. We went six months without a refrigerator.
0: Wow. We uh, with, th- with kids.
1: Uh, with kids, with three kids. We hauled our perishable groceries to our neighbor which was 15 miles away and they give us a deep freeze to freeze all that stuff and then we kept our milk there she would take a gallon of milk to the house and we'd buy as much ice as we could afford at the time and a week and put it on ice and kind of live day by day we went like that for six months wow. no fridge it's, and like <laughs> i didn't care <laughs> you know but i mean it had to have been heck with her You know, a bunch of toe-headed kids wanting milk all the time. I mean, you can't keep enough milk to feed them or make them happy, but never heard a peep, really. Just, when are we going to get a fridge? And I was like, you know, it ain't up to me, really. But I never really tried. You know, (laughs) I was gone once a time. I didn't really need a fridge. Uh, She's tough. Tough woman.
0: Sounds like a good way to raise your kids, too. Hard. Definitely hard. It
1: was hard, you know, but... My kids are, you know. I mean, my youngest is, heck, I don't even know how old he is—fourteen, <laughs> thirteen, fourteen. You know, my oldest is eighteen, and my oldest seen most of it, to where he could remember. You know, and he went a lot and uh, working, and was rounded a lot, and he still talks about it now. Man, I wish we was back on the camp. You know, when he—the only horses he had was a dead gun burro and a dogie and a set of horses and. <laughs> his brother and sister, you know, really, uh, and a pack of dogs. Uh, he he's been in a mess with dogs a couple times, but um, you know, and still still loves it today. You know, wished he was back on the camp.
0: And is that um, what he wants to do with his life?
1: No, not really. You know, I, and that, that's my fault <laughs> as as a hard teacher. Um, I, I don't really know why. Uh, I, I had some somewhat hard teachers, but I think I'm way harder when I look back, you know, I was tough on my kids when it come to cowboying, I think I just wanted them to be so good, so fast. I had way too high expectations and would just kind of shove it instead of let them learn, Mm -hmm. burn him out quick. Uh, He's good help, really good help, handy kid, uh, but but ruined him, you know. And I I don't think he really he don't crave the cowboy deal. My youngest one does, but he didn't get the
0: the full camp. The experience. full <laughs> yeah. He didn't.
1: He was way too young then. You know, he was still in diapers, and the the oldest one got the brunt of everything. And uh, I, I I regret that. I wish I could do it again because i know he wanted to when he was a kid i mean like he'd go down there to the wagon because it, it, on ro's uh well the diamond ace too his big outfit i i had a camp on the wagon They camp right next to my house and they would stay there 15 20 days you know and he would just be down there in the middle of them cowboys just asking questions just being a pest you know but loved it uh Wanted to hear every story there was and how to do everything and watched and learned. And when I I was at the ROs, I was a jigger boss for most of the time when I was there. So that's underneath the cow boss. And we had so many horses in there. uh, We roped all the horses out of a holdup whenever you'd catch horses, sometimes twice, three times a day, most of the time just once. And they're at camp, so you'd have 120 horses inside of what we call the ropes. You'd get, every cowboy would get around there, and you'd take your catch rope off your saddle and string it out there, and you'd grab one end, they'd grab the other, and you just make a big old circle. You'd drive them horses in there, and them horses is broke to stay inside them ropes. And they'd just stand there, and then everybody'd call out the horse's name they wanted for the next day. And most of the time, they'd call three names out. but So you'd say... I want this one in the hole, this one on the line, and this one's wrangle. And uh, so I had to rope a lot of horses. And by the time I left there, Caden, my oldest boy, he might have known the horses' names better than I did. <laughs> he, he knew every one of them. That's me. Uh, he would run a lot of horses for us. What we call a runner. Like say, so you have one in the hole. That one is usually for the afternoon. So. They, You catch the horse that goes in the hole and you give it to a guy that'll run it to another pen and put it up. And then they'd take the horse on the line. That's the one he's going to use in the morning. And then you just take it to the to the guy that called for him. And Caden had run a lot of them horses. So he learned their names and what they looked like. And I'm talking, you got 120 head of horses <laughs> and probably 115 of them are sorrel. And that kid... <laughs> you, you could be wrangling horses, and he'd just start naming them off through the through the gate. I mean, he he liked it a lot, you know. And I, I burn him out. I, I ruin him, you know. And I I really regret that. Uh, not not saying that he would have went off and and tried to make a life out of it, but it would have been a lot better experience for him if if he'd got to learn from somebody else. Yeah. But I, I was pretty hard on him.
0: let me just look and see I want to make sure I asked you all the questions I wanted to what was do you have what was the funnest thing you've ever roped do you, do you have one particular or was it all fun
1: well it. it most of it was fun um, actually probably the funnest thing I ever roped was a wild burrow
0: really but <laughs>
1: I mean, they're they're a pretty cagey animal. But the the funnest cow brood I ever wrote was a big old steer. Um, it was on the Willows Ranch. I was day working there. The, the, the guy that bought it, uh, bought it kind of unknowing what was there. There was a lot of trashy cows there, a lot of big steers. Uh, I think we ended up catching close to 60 head of steers that were full grown if not on the downhill side of dying old you know like between five and 20 years old i mean big wow. huge steers huge um and i was on a little old palomino horse that i'd i'd bought he probably weighed 1100 pounds fat and uh i caught this steer in a cedar thicket running my ways uh but I caught him and we got him home and he sat in the corner of a pen for about eight days and went to the sale and he weighed just over eighteen hundred pounds. I don't know how much pounds he lost, but he was wow. way bigger than my horse. And he pulled me a long way down there. <laughs> uh but it was I get I don't know, uh maybe not fun, a lot of work, but it was it was the wildest thing I ever caught. Um. Yeah, it was. He was big. He was stout. I was on a little horse, but was game. He was really game. That horse was a good thing. By myself, uh it it was something else. But I did I did have to run him a minute. <laughs> he could run like a thoroughbred horse for a long ways. He could run.
2: Huh
1: but the burrow probably was the hardest thing to catch they'd never ever run straight it's like roping a coyote <laughs> is what a burrow's like really horrible <laughs> horrible the rope you better have a lot of horse or easy piece of country they will take every rock pile and cedar tree thicket, whatever they are miserable to rope and can run for a long ways uh, you wouldn't think a little old burl would be no match to a horse, but they're they're tough. Uh i I've caught some game. Uh attempted to catch a mountain lion once and just about died.
0: Really? That sounds like a good good uh, story.
1: <laughs> caught an antelope once for a minute until it tried to kill me. But
0: An uh, antelope?
1: The the worst wreck I'd ever been in was trying to rope the mountain lion. That that was a bad wreck. A couple of guys almost did die, me including. Uh we was trotting out of camp and on the wagon, ten or twelve guys and had the cow boss and then me and then several guys behind us. We was trotting out through there and it and that, that guy I worked for then, Westfoot was cow boss, uh Dang good cowboy, good cow man, all around just top hand. He like to get started early, he's usually in the dark leaving and uh we was going out through there out through a little cedar thicket and rock pile and it was just getting gray you could see i don't know not very far 30 yards 40 yards and i was right behind him in jig line and uh he was going out through there and it's just an average of every day you know i about had half my head down about half sleeping through jig line you're hitting a jog as far as you can without having to walk through the rocks and all of a sudden he just left out and i thought man he he's seen some bad cattle you know so i just camped right in behind him and everybody else and we went down through their ways and i mean kind of running and he jer- started jerking his rope down and uh, i was like man we got to be hit and i couldn't see nothing passing but he likes seeing it. it was just not quite dark but couldn't see very far and i said he's just seeing something up in them cedars that i can't you know so i started jerking rope down and then I finally seen that lion take a little left-hand turn in front of him and we was right on him. And oh. uh, we got so close, we finally treated that lion horseback. He just jumped in a tree. And uh, so we got all around there. Everybody circled that tree, big old cedar tree. They had that lion right there in the top. Well, Wes, he, he was going to go back to camp and get a pistol. Nobody was packing one at the time, which is un, unusual. but So he, he went back to camp get a pistol and we was all sitting there holding that line in that tree and well he come back says man I gotta get a picture of this line first you know well it was just dark enough when he and he had one of them little disposable cameras when he took the picture the flash went off well that lion jumped out of that tree right between me and another guy right there Mm. and I I was riding a real bronky horse and uh, usually that horse he, he he don't ever he don't ever buck on you during the day it's always if he bucks he does it right the get-go in the morning and he does it hard but if you go a hundred yards from the get-go from untracking he won't it don't matter what you do he'll never buck on you but we'd been sitting there 10-15 minutes and then that line jumped out and I had a loop built and and in that country we tie off hard to the horn you know and uh, had a loop built tied off and I just sitting there and anyways that line built out of that tree and went right between me and another guy and me and him we both spun out of there and them horses like saying they're they're exceptional i mean they're They it, it don't matter if you're roping a dog or a cow if you point them to something they're going to it we got right there and i just stood up took two swings and that horse went to bucking and i was leaned way over his brow band <laughs> really just wanting to rope this line anyways he bucked me off right there and uh i hit the ground and stood up was wanting to watch the rest of it and right when I stand up, my feet just jerk out from underneath me. <gasps> and sure enough, I stepped in my rope. I had the loop right up there, just right below my knee. Oh and my that gosh. horse drug me a ways down through them rock piles, bouncing me around there. And then he would stop and blow up and buck. And then he'd run off again. And he, he did it about three times. He stopped, blow up, and buck, and then he'd run off. And then that third time, two guys cowboys come right there and they they headed him off and uh, one of them reached up there to try to cut my rope and one grabbed the bridle rein and at that moment I jumped up and run up the rope trying to get slack to cut loose off my leg and uh, I got enough slack and that horse run off and it it jerked that rope off my foot and uh, it was scary situation but at, at the very moment I didn't know it then but after the wreck was all over, me being drugged, and I kind of, he drugged me in a half circle. I kind of, you know, I was bleeding out of my head. I bounced it off a rock or two, and, and I kind of got my wits about me, and I look over, and another cowboy's laying right beside me, and I thought he was dead. And I didn't know he was having a wreck, but his horse blew up the same time mine did. And this this cowboy here, Toby Foote, uh, brother to the cow boss, Really good bronc rider. I mean, you can't buck him off. And so this horse blew up too, and he was riding him, and that horse flipped over up in the air and landed right on him. Big old horse, fifteen hundred pound horse, just smashed him in a rock pile, and uh, broke his leg and and uh, bruised his brain, and he had some bleeding in his brain. Eventually, they took him to town, you know. But gosh, that was the last time we tried to rope a lion horseback.
0: (laughs) Uh. Holy cow!
1: But it, it was, it was bad. I broke, I broke a few ribs and dinged my head up on that little wreck. Uh, Gosh. And, you know, I always thought, you know, you, you watch some old Westerns, people getting drug, you know, and, and I've had cowboys tell me, you know, you don't ever want to get drugged. It's, it's scary deal. I thought, well, heck, why don't you just sit up and crawl up the rope and take it off your foot? But I couldn't, I couldn't even think when I was getting drugged. I mean, it. I'd try to roll on my belly, and but yeah, that loop was tight right below my leg, knee, and just sucked tight, dragging me. I couldn't do anything. It's uh, it happened so fast, and it, it's a scary feeling. Worst feeling I've ever had in my life. But that uh, was fun for a minute.
0: <laughs> Moral of the story: Don't try to rope. A Not lion. on a bronc. Don't
1: don't rope a line on a bronc. <laughs> Or be tied off. One or the other.
0: Gosh. <clears throat> well, I think I've asked all of the questions that I wanted to. But if you have anything else you want to share,
1: no. Mm-hmm. I mean, ho- hope. Hopefully, you got something <laughs> you might can use.
0: No, I definitely enjoyed all of it. So I,
1: I kind of ramble sometimes and don't get to the point, but
0: no, it was all good. So thank
1: I, you. I, I hope the way of life don't ever end. You know, uh, there's a. I hope there's always enough young young men or women. I've rode I've wrote around a lot of good good hands that were dang sure women, and I mean good hands. Uh, they don't get a chance a lot to be that, but uh, so yeah. As, I don't mean gender, but I hope a lot of them young people want to keep going. Um, heck, it feeds America and. Lots of other countries on top of that. It's it's a great way of life and it, and, it, and we need it. And so I hope they keep going. But and I understand it gets modernized and it has to to make it pay. But I hope there's enough of them old people around that teach them young people the the old ways and and, and share their experiences because they might not ever happen again.
0: Yeah. I like that. I, I definitely agree with you.
1: But unless you got something else you want to ask me, I don't know what else I can tell you. A bunch of BS, I guess. <laughs>
0: no. Thanks for visiting with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's bet. been fun. That concludes this episode of the Cowboy Stories podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. This part two of our interview with Link Bundy, and like always, if you have been listening along and you have thought of somebody that you would like to hear interviewed on one of our episodes, please send me an email to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thanks. See you next time. <laughs>